you don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. And I have ADHD, anxiety, and depression. Today is a little bit different than some of the previous episodes because I think we actually have listeners and we've actually gotten some feedback about the show. I'm very excited about the feedback we've been getting. I love everyone's points. They're really well taken and thoughtful, and I'm just grateful to hear from you. To hear from me? To hear from them. Oh, um, I thought you said from me. Oh, No, <laughs> I'm speaking to them. Oh, I, uh, gotcha. Having said that, we just want to thank everyone for listening. If you are listening and you're enjoying the show and you find it helpful, you think someone else might find it helpful, if that person that you, you know, maybe you know someone else that's neurodiverse or neurodiverse curious. Oh, I like that. Go ahead and uh, you can share the show and let them listen to us shoot the shit. No? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sharing is caring. And also, if you haven't already, you can look us up on Facebook now. I started a Facebook group for us. And surprise, surprise, it's called You Don't Sound Autistic. You can join the conversation. We'd love to hear from those of you that are listening. Let us know what you think about the show. Mm-hmm. Be nice. Especially to Blake. He has rejection sensitivity dysphoria due to his ADHD. Also, I'm very sensitive. I want yes. everyone to know that. And also, please no dick pics. That's right. No. I also have rejection sensitivity dysphoria. <laughs> In case you didn't know. <laughs> So one thing I feel like we might as well talk about it on the show. Rochelle thinks that we should have some kind of intro that kind of gives our listeners more of an insight as to what we're talking about. I do. And so I think that the most basic way to explain it is that, you know, I am autistic. Rochelle is not, at least not according to science. <laughs> and uh, so because of that, it gives us a unique perspective and, you know, hopefully we're able to illuminate neurodiversity and throw in some some dick jokes every now and then. That's kind of the, uh, or maybe I'm the one that throws in the dick jokes. I don't know. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> I don't want to judge anybody. And Rochelle keeps looking at me like I'm maybe I'm talking too much. <laughs> You're doing fine. But uh, one of our listeners and a friend is Kate. So shout out to Kate for this idea. Basically, Kate is a to a degree I say self-diagnosed has kind of. Definitely neurodiverse curious. Um, neurodiverse curious. Yes. On our way to, uh, you know. She and her sister did this same thing that me and Rochelle are about to do, which is to kind of go through a a sample of questions for. It's called the R. What is it called? The RADS R R A A D S R, the Ritvo Autism Asperger Diagnostic Scale, uh, revised, whatever all that means. And basically, what it is is. Uh, ask a series of uh, several questions. So we're going to go through those and reveal our separate answers, and then we'll go over our results as well um, yes. to start. So, and I know I interrupted you, and I'm sorry. So you That's were right. saying something else once I was when I was talking about <laughs> listener Kate. I'm sorry, I just misread your cues. Um, no, you said everything beautifully. That's exactly what we're doing. And this is thank you so much. <laughs> I'm excited to do this. Actually, I've taken this test. When you sent me the link earlier this week, I took this test um, to see how I would score. And so I did get a pretty good idea of the way they formatted it um, based on the DSM-5 criteria for autism. So this is a really comprehensive test. Some of the other ones I've taken online that kind of, you know, allow you to. There's so many. And this is something that, you know, if you're 
if you're on the fence, if you're thinking that you maybe or might identify as autistic some of this is or familiar for you or your yeah, family, then it may be something that you want to just. There's so many different tests out there, so I, I, I don't necessarily need to tell you which one we're using. It's but the yeah. one we're using is just it's aspytests.org. Mm-hmm. If you want to check that one out. It's the most complete one I've found so far. Let's get started. Hopefully this is not boring. So we'll see how this goes. But uh, question number one, I'm just going to kind of roll through them and um, we'll start at the top here, obviously. So uh, I am a sympathetic person and um, the options are true now and when I was young, true only now, true only when I was 16 or younger than 16 and then never true. So can you see this? I cannot. I'm okay. trying to. I'm trying to get it up. <laughs> that's not what. That's I what she said. I'm trying to log. Oh no, that's what he said. I'm sorry. No, she didn't say that. It was to, to pull the website. Up. <laughs> I'm trying to get it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, whatever but you want to do. Uh, I forgot. I was using your login. Say that and for your so, personal time. No, that's not. It. I'm working on a website. I'm a sympathetic it. person. I would say, I feel. I mean, and and so this is just how I feel. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm a sympathetic person. Yeah, I do too. True now and when I was young. Okay. Uh, I often use words and phrases from movies and television and conversations. Uh, For me, that is true now and when I was young, for sure. I barely do. There's not an option for barely. Yeah. So I'll just say never true because it's not really been my... And so to me, like, there's certain questions that they're phrased in a way that it's almost too obvious that this is going to be something that makes you feel autistic as fuck when right. you're doing it <laughs> right because <laughs> i'm like that's often used this phrase. i'm like that is me no that is me too and i'm like wait a minute all these questions are about autism so clearly mm-hmm. i'm starting to lean a certain way but i don't answer yes always true to everything and so that's you know again kind of falls in line with why there is a spectrum that right. not every single box is going to be ticked in order for you to be what uh, the medical world would consider autistic. And more than that, labels aren't necessarily always a good thing, but I feel like in this case, the label can kind of give you so much in, in by way of guidance because you're able to, uh, you're being really noisy, <laughs> um, because you're able to, uh, shit, I lost my train of thought. So one of the things that the diagnosis does is it empowers you to start learning some details right. and that's really what, diving that's where in I was going. because it, the, by learning and reading and really starting to identify with different patterns, there is a wide range for a reason because, um, we're talking about a lot of behaviorals and, and skills that are learned intuitively, um, you know, versus things that someone's specifically shown you. So it's helpful to have as many data points as possible put as many logical things in the network of understanding as possible because it's easier to draw comparisons and then know how to make changes in your own life to improve the quality of your life. That's almost word for word what I was going to (laughs) say. Next one is, I'm often surprised when others tell me I've been rude. That is definitely true for me. That is never true for me. Um, and so I don't want to just add, you know, ask a question, give us the answer, ask a question, give us the answer. So it's going to, you know, take some time to kind of go through these, but just to that one, it is something that is, um, you know, as a person it's, and it's weird to say, because it's something that has not been, it's, it's weird to have something be true your entire life, but you didn't know it Mm -hmm. like to wake up one day and I'm like, my penis is humongous. (laughs) 
If only you had taken this news that way. Um, This seemed far more traumatic than that kind of a discovery. It wasn't wasn't traumatic as much as, you know, um, one thing um, Rustin said, actually, in the conversations that we were kind of having with her on Facebook were talking about the mourning period. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for Declan, I don't think I really felt that as strongly as I did for my, I don't know, like there was a mourning period for me that was more like mourning the childhood that I actually had and just kind of like kind of in a weird way feeling bad for this kid that I used to know if that makes sense you know what I mean like so many things that I I was just so misunderstood and and misunderstood not just by others but by myself Um, okay so that's interesting that you say that because when you said feeling bad for the kid you used to know I was trying to quickly quickly picture in my mind what you meant by that yeah and I then meant, i mean i'm talking about myself no i know but then you just followed it up by saying you know the kid you felt sorry for that kid right and that's what i'm saying it's 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 bizarre because i think about all these different th- things come up in in my mind and especially when the diagnosis uh came out um came out it sounds like a movie the <laughs> diagnosis we're on a roll today. When it came out last year, it just you know it was it's like when I got the ADHD um, yeah, diagnosis. Was, yep, and that just, was tough. Just I mean, not even the diagnosis was just the 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 first thought of did anyone ever tell you that you maybe have ADHD or did anyone ever tell you that you have autism? Those two moments yeah. in my life were pinnacle. Yeah, and probably more so than the actual official documentation and diagnoses that came with it later it's kind of a lightning strike yeah piece of news and it's phrased in a way that is almost condescending and if I wasn't there for both of them well I guess I wasn't there for the for the ADHD reveal right but the I would, reveal like it's a gender reveal <laughs> well I mean that's it's kind of what it feels like right I mean this is going to change I on the spectrum it changes your life forever because yeah. it changes your lifestyle forever and in many ways very positively you know it comes with a lot of empowerment um and understanding and clarity but it's still a big moment when you realize I think Dr. Dodson said it the best to us he goes I'm really sorry to be the one to tell you but you've been living your entire life with the wrong owner's manual right I mean, that's a paradigm shift. It's right there. It's like one moment you were breathing and you were on this path in life and the next minute you're breathing, you're on a completely different place. It's just boom. That's true. But so back to the question, the or well, the, the statement I suppose of I am often surprised when others tell me I've been rude and you said that's never true for you. So does that mean that you just know you're being rude or <laughs> is it more that you know that you're not saying things that are going to be taken in a way that's rude because no one's ever said like I'm I mean honestly there are times so many times in conversations that you and I have had um and maybe it's because you're you know we've been we've known each other for almost 10 years now mm-hmm. so you're obviously going to be more apt to to call me out um, on mm-hmm. different things for me, like knowing being like, it's, it just, it always, it always blows me away when it's like, I've, have I been, I've, I was rude. Like, how was I being rude? You know, it's like the way that I said something and not necessarily even always the words that I say, it's, it's things come out and it's not, it, see what, for me, it's the intention behind what I'm saying mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to elicit in a conversation to where, 
I, I, and I just want to explain a certain thing to someone or I'm saying something to someone offhand and it to me is just very matter of fact and a lot of times that comes off as rude and it's very difficult to um, to hold into a, a place in your brain where you can kind of look at it when you're having a conversation to say be careful be aware and knowing in, in this I'm kind of talking myself in a circle here but in knowing the uh, the diagnosis, I feel like it does kind of make it a little bit easier mm-hmm. to hold up a mirror mm-hmm. to a degree, but yep. it's still very difficult because I've spent, like I said, so much of my life right. not knowing that I even needed to do that. Well, you've been spending a lot of time coping, right? You've been creating coping strategies and you've been using every ba- ounce of resource that you have, whether it's your ability to you know, create routines or to navigate, you know, your living environment, like you've been able to make decisions that have, have managed some of those things. Um, But I think for me, I understand your intention. When we have on my end of those moments, I can pick up multiple things at the same time. It's, it's like, you know, Angelica Schuyler from Hamilton. (laughs) There's, there's the song in Hamilton that says, you know, I knew three things at the exact same time. And a lot of times when we talk, it's the same thing. I pick up what you're intending to say. So I, I, I hear your intention. I hear the actual words that you use, which don't always match. But where I struggle and where sometimes I, I do, will I'll step back and say, oh, I feel like you're being rude. It's because I also, with the same amount of intensity, I feel all the emotion you're sending out with those things simultaneously. And I don't always think you're aware of the emotion part that you're pushing out with it. And it can be intense. And so then I'm feeling all of your emotion and that right there will overwhelm my senses because I'm still trying to listen to exactly what you've said and glean from that your intention and add all that up in a split second. Sometimes the intensity is the reason why I say, whoa, you're being rude. And you don't know that. I can totally understand why you don't. Like, I don't think, oh, he's just such a rude person. I don't think that at all. There are moments where the interchanges can get to that level. But really what I think is like, okay, I get it. He's got a lot of feelings about this. But when I go to respond, since I've translated your feelings, I may have gotten them wrong. But sometimes I will respond to you in a way that's also considerate of your feelings. And then I just end up getting us in a bigger fight. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again. Let's let should we move on to the next yes, one? Yes, please. Okay. So, sometimes I talk too loudly or too softly and I am not aware of it. Um I I know this is true for me because I typically w- will hear people say Blake, 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 and it's typically not because I'm talking too softly, it's almost always because I'm talking too loudly. Yeah. Yeah. Is that true for you? Not true for me, um, unless we're shooting this podcast, and then you're telling me I'm not talking loud enough. But Shooting the podcast. What are we doing? We're recording it. Okay, well, let's do that. I don't see any cameras. <laughs> Wait, are there, are there cameras on us right now? No, I didn't hook it up. Okay. Okay, so I often don't know how to react in social situations. Uh, true. That's I'm just going to say true, and if it's one of the others, like only now, or true when I was younger. Yeah, mine are all so far never true. Oh, that's yours. 
I, and I'm doing it. No, you said no because you. Except for the top one, I'm a sympathetic person, person, of course. But I'm saying since then, mine have all been never trues. Um, right. I can put myself in other people's shoes. Yes, I can do that. I feel like I can do that. I have a hard time figuring out what some phrases mean, like "you are the apple of my eye." I don't. I don't either. I, that's a confusing one for me, because I I I think what it, I think what the the point of that is that some people may not understand because it's an abstraction. Correct. And so it doesn't make sense in that sense because it's kind of a stupid saying. Well, but I understand right. what it means. Well, the. But being able to pick on pick up on it's a more complex version. Sorry, it's a more complex aspect to communication is being able to speak and think um, with phrases that are like this. So it's one of those spectrum things, right? It there will be people who will say, "No, I can't do that," and other people that can do it. So it's it's just right. There's just a lot of aspects under the diagnosis to cover in terms of how it plays out in daily life. That's true. Uh, let's see. So I only like to talk to people who share my special interests. So this one, I, I feel like I feel kind of like a dick by saying I think it is true for me. Mm-hmm. But I talk to people about other things. I just get bored. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I've seen you muscle through um, your groups where no one shared your special interests. So, but this is why don't asking, you want to talk about Back to the Future and comedy with me? Right. But this isn't saying are you capable of doing it. It's saying do you like to do it? Right. Do so, you like to talk to people who? I only like to like your preference would be to talk to people with a shared interest. Right. And that's, I think, I think that's true. I mean, isn't that like, don't people, but don't people. And so your answer is never true. I don't need the interest to be shared to talk to anyone. Okay. So you want to talk about crap you're not interested in. Right. I'm trying to understand you. Yeah. I don't have a problem. I'm pivoting to topics that I don't really. That's weird to me. Yeah. I mean, I want to get to know the person. So sometimes that means like, pausing my interest and exploring theirs with them by asking them questions. I want to know like their perspective, but you got to remember I've worked in health and wellness. Like people interest me. I, my entire career is helping people to, you know, feel better one way or another. And so how they respond to different, their own special interests that interests me. That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So I have seen you muscle through. Like you can do it. It's just you don't like to, and that doesn't make you a jerk. It's totally fine. It's absolutely fine. Now everyone's gonna be like, "What?" So if I'm if, if I'm talking to them, they're gonna say, "So is this something that's interesting to you?" And now I'm gonna have to lie. <laughs> well, you're not a very good liar, so you're gonna have to work on that. I can't you wait can to talk with... more about this boring ass topic that you. Yes, brought up. you. I'm sure you can come up with some cute, clever way to segue that without ever having to. Really you know what? It's like question. you know what's really funny about Scientology. Back to the future. <laughs> Massive segue. Okay. I focus on details rather than the overall idea. See, this one threw me for a loop. I said never true for myself. You, but you're looking like, should I? I mean, and if we go on vacation, there's a seven tab spreadsheet with every single detail that I get to forward to two or three people. But I'm, but I'm focusing on the overall idea of having fun. That's what all the details, uh, those details are fun. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay i'm just gonna tell you i'm gonna say never true because I, I, okay, I, I disagree okay. i totally disagree i'm sorry but you you love to focus on the details well, so much your, so that it you, makes your so much so that it makes it difficult for you to enjoy the present when we actually get there 
I, I, this is a tough one for me. Don't in, don't influence my answers here. Okay, I'm, well, I'm saying okay. never true. Fair enough. I I'm not, I, see, I, I I don't sound autistic after all. <laughs> okay, that was the weirdest laugh I've ever heard come out of your mouth. <laughs> I always notice how food feels in my mouth. This is more important to me than how it tastes. That's I notice. So this is one that bothers me. I notice how food feels in my mouth, but it is not more important than how it tastes. This is basically just a. I didn't think this question was well worded it's a texture question that's all it is they're just asking textures do you have an issue with textures i mean i do but that's not what it's there's another there's other questions that ask about texture they're going to ask the question in several different ways i know so in this particular instance i would rather something taste good if it had kind of a weird texture than it have like a perfect texture and taste like shit okay thank you very much okay i miss my best friends or family when we're apart for a long time that's true for me. Is that not true for you? Not in the same way, no. Okay. I don't I don't really So never? You never miss never. the the question is I miss my best friends or family when we are apart for a long time. You don't, I, you I don't miss people? I feel connected to them still. So I don't really I don't I, I think, the way I read this question is like I constantly feel connected to my friends and family. Yeah, but even then, when if we're you say apart. never, that means that you don't miss them. I interact with them frequently so i don't feel like i miss them like i miss seeing their face see i disagree but i view this question as like do i miss them emotionally is my emotions to miss them no because maybe, i maybe you're autistic i don't know i i feel connected to them constantly that how can i miss of you. how can i miss someone i, miss I always feel connected to that's the point i'm saying so you're separated you don't get to see them do you miss them or no <sighs> what a weirdo <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. We're moving on. Sometimes I offend others by saying what I'm thinking, even if I don't mean to. That never happens for me. <laughs> that definitely happens for me. It doesn't happen for me. All right, good for you. Um, I only like to think and talk about a few things that interest me. I don't know. Do you think that's true for me? I do. That I only like... that, But that makes me feel... Like I sound shallow and so unintelligent. So you, you're continuing to include new topics on a regular basis, but they all come back to some um, pretty, you know, grooved categories for you. Uh, entertainment is going to be a, a pretty grooved category. Fair enough. You know, and that's it's such a wide category and there's so much content in there that, you know, it's a great interest. So what's your answer for that? I only like to think and talk about a few. Yeah, that's not me. Not never. Okay. I read two books at once. I read two magazines at once. Like I'm constantly working on. I'll, on. I can hold two testicles at once. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. But I need my... two hands. Okay. I'm just saying like, that's not me. I'm, I'm constantly broadening. I'm so an information She brings the seeker. intelligence and I bring the dick jokes. Like I said. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just answering this honestly. So the next one is I would rather go out to eat in a restaurant by myself than with someone I know. That is not true for me. I agree. That's not true for me. I'd always want to be with someone I know. I cannot imagine what it would be like to be someone else. I don't. You don't what? Imagine. I cannot imagine what it'd be like to be someone else. I like me. You can't picture what it'd be like to be someone else? Uh-uh. Oh, I can. Oh, cool. Who? I'm just saying, when people... It's like the same thing, like thinking of being in someone else's shoes. It's being empathetic, being able to picture yourself being someone else. 
Oh, I usually just. I mean, I don't know. That's like uh, I'm into acting and stuff. So I mean, maybe, maybe I that's usually what I think about too. You could, if you I see someone that I really I don't like admire, I look at the things that are around them and their environment, and those are the things I want for myself. I don't necessarily want to be that person. It doesn't. It's not asking if you could, if you could, um, if you want to be someone else. The question is, what it would be like. I to cannot be imagine else. what it would be like to be someone else. I think you're reading into this into a way that it's not intended. I think the idea is that some people that are autistic have, maybe maybe they would have a hard time picturing what it's like to be someone I don't else. Know. I mean, when you say it, when you say it like that, I can imagine what it's. I see what you're saying. That's what I mean. Doesn't that what it sounds like? Yeah. Okay. I'll change. I my cannot answer. imagine. What, okay. I've been told that no, I'm. You can't. You already said it. You cannot change it. It is un. I change it. You reframed the question. I did. So now I can answer the new question. Okay. What's the next one? I have been told that I'm clumsy or uncoordinated. See, the thing is, I'm not always, but there are times when I am super clumsy. So this one's kind of an unfair one because there have been times when I'm super clumsy. Right. Where you've, you've seen me like drop shit. Right. <laughs> and it's almost like in a very comical way because it's on accident. Mm-hmm. But would you say that I'm clumsy? I mean, you're sitting right All the time? No, I don't think you are. But it's but it, the question is, is true or never? I know. So it's not never. Well. Do people tell you that you're clumsy and uncoordinated? No. They should. I've seen you drive. Oh, come on. It was just, <laughs> I, I got to get one jab in there. About driving? Okay. Well, the thing is, um, clumsy or uncoordinated is a question directed to motor skills and motor planning. So this is an area of the brain that we're using occupational therapy to develop. So it's your ability to to keep your body upright and to, you know, kind of as much as possible evenly and bilaterally use both sides of your body so you can climb upstairs or you can get out of the bathtub. You know, these are just normal pick your body up and move type questions. So what it's really asking, if you have a challenge with motor planning or motor skills, um, that you would be on a regular basis clumsy or uncoordinated. Now, Declan is both a little clumsy and uncoordinated and he's a toddler. But he's constantly coming home with bruises and things. And the doctor even noticed it during the evaluation. She goes, oh, bruises, because it's common. And Mary, uh, sorry, our therapist notices it during sessions, too. She goes, oh, he bumped into something again. I'm like, yep. Right. So it just takes a little bit longer to develop. So what should I answer here? I don't think you are. Okay, that's what I'm going with. Never. Right. That's a tough one. Some of these are going to be a little bit hard. But it'll be different. Some people might be um, continuous. Maybe there's some clumsy people listening. Are there any clumsy people listening? Please call our hotline. No, we don't have a hotline. <laughs> um, we want to hear from you. But we do, actually, you could you could chime in on the uh, on the Facebook group. You could. Um, Tell us what you're experiencing. Yeah. Well, I mean, unless they're experiencing like uh, uncomfortable stomach pains and you know some some weird indigestion, I don't want to hear about that kind of stuff. Right. Please, please keep that one to yourself. This is great. The next question says: Others consider me odd or different. Yeah. You just waiting to hear what I say. What do you think? Do people consider you odd or different? No. I think you're pretty weird. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I don't I don't feel that. I mean, that's not what I've been told. I in my life I have been told that I was odd or different. Yes, I believe that. Thanks. I understand when friends need to be comforted. I would say yes. Yes, I always do. You're good in that moment actually. You usually bring humor pretty quickly. I do. So it's refreshing. You have a way of lightening the mood very fast. But it's also because when big emotions walk in the room, 
um, you're kind of a mastermind at moving those emotions out of the way and it's like let's bring on the comedy <laughs> you just let's you like no whoo, one no one can are... sit in their emotions around blake he's like whoop out the door <laughs> that's right so um the next one i'm very sensitive to the way clothes feel when i touch them how they feel is more important than how they look see i guess i that must be true for me because i wear the same crap every day your socks are also inside out which is super cute yeah okay so it, is that not true for you no Okay. I even tried doing your inside-out sock thing for a while. Well, hold on. Let me explain the story first. Go ahead. I got to tell, tell. I'm my, just saying it didn't work for me. Okay. Well, it worked for me. So um, there's a movie I I enjoy called Finding Forrester, starring. Um, I was going to say the late great, but isn't he still alive? I don't think so. Did he pass away? I really think he did. Oh no, Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. I think he did pass away. I didn't think he? he did. That's that makes me so sad. Okay, continue. Anyway, on. so I am continuing. So there's a scene in the in the movie Finding Forrester where Sean Connery he's basically like a J.D. Salinger type character where he writ he'd written one novel, and he lives in uh, this apartment and he's basically a recluse. So he has this guy that comes and drops off like groceries and other items to him, and he brings him a pack of socks and he starts putting his socks on inside out. And the kid that is part of the film, who's basically the main character is like, why are you putting your socks on inside out? And Sean Connery's character says, uh, well, socks are poorly, actually he says it, socks are poorly designed. <laughs> uh, the uh, the seams are on the inside of the sock and it hurts the toes. So, uh, you know, I wear them inside out because it's more comfortable. And he says, and it's also uh, considered in some cultures good luck to wear something inside out. And the kid's like, do you believe that? And he says, no, but it's like praying. What do you, what do you risk? Hmm, so... I was 17 or so when I saw that movie and I just remember thinking like, hmm, maybe I'll try that. I started wearing my socks inside out and I started to notice how my feet felt so much more comfortable. I had no idea what a treat it would be. So if you're out there and you're on the spectrum, and even if you're not, I highly suggest trying to wear your socks inside out. That yeah. could be like a way that people, <laughs> that should be the like the, the symbol to show people that you're listening to our show is you can just start wearing your socks inside out. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's uh, something for for me that um, I do on a daily on a daily basis. I cannot wear socks the regular way. They, it drives me nuts. Uh, and also tagged shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I have to, and I've always had to do this where I cut the tags off and I... Uh, to, like for you, I, I to me that's it seems so normal to want to cut the tags off and to not have this extraneous material rubbing on my my neck or like to have the uncomfortable feeling of 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 the material of the socks uh, coursing over my feet. Um, but for you as a neurotypical person, does this something that does not even Mm-mm. cross your radar? Does it? I mean, I enjoy good you know fabric like a. I don't own anything silk or cashmere, but like I know that the difference between different textures of clothes and how some feel better than others. But um, if it's not perfectly comfortable, I'll wear it if it's dang cute. Like it doesn't bother me. And yeah, I would prefer so many of the shirts now just come without tags regardless that uh, I do enjoy those. But if mine has a tag, it's no big deal. My nerve sensitivity is just different in this area. All right. So must be nice. He did. Um, die october 31st of last year oh man i am so behind but he hasn't made a movie in such a long time so that's probably why yeah he why um all right let's keep rest going. in peace sean connery 
just in case. <laughs> um, hopefully, we didn't break the news to someone just now, and they're like, "Sean Connery's died." Oh, I hope not. But I mean, it was October of last year, so there was a yeah. lot going on. Um, all right. So next one, I like to copy the ways certain people speak and act. It helps me appear more normal. That is definitely true. That's never true for me. Although I'm now able to spot people out in my uh, in my circles who do this. Yeah, it's very interesting. I can spot. I can see. And this it. is part of masking, right? It's part of mask mirroring and masking. When you really mirroring, start to right. observe, some I've also seen some um, sites or groups call it camouflaging, and I think that's a fancier term. It sounds great and looks great in print, but it waters down. I think the impact of actually understanding the skill of mirroring versus the skill of masking. They're two completely different things. They just often co. No, they coincide. So, yeah. Okay. Let's go to the next one. So, it can be very intimidating for me to talk to more than one person at a time. I'm the oldest of six. This is not my problem. All right. I don't know. It's another one that I have mixed feelings about because I work as a manager and Mm -hmm. I have to talk to people. Yeah, but okay. So, it can be very intimidating for me to talk to more than one person at a time. Even though you're a manager and you have more than one employee and you have been for quite a long time and a very good one, you're still not comfortable if you have if you're talking to one person and then the next person is waiting for you. Like that will that right there is too much pressure. But I can talk to a room of people. I mean, you've seen me do that. Like talking I talk to, to a room, room of people and and entertaining them. That's talking to a group of people. I feel Yeah, but okay, so here's that. the difference though. The difference is that being able to speak to someone else eloquently and intelligently is definitely not your problem. You know, you're funny, you're witty. And this I find this true for Tell me more about me. <laughs> I find this true with most keep, of Keep going. Um my neurodiverse friends and family and uh, and even clients, but the, it's not the outward communication. It's the what's coming back at you communication. So one of the things with with an, with autism in terms of communication is that you're you always have to be ready for the response. And so being in an unpredictable environment is a high stressor. It's even in your evaluation to like reduce the number of people you have to interact with. And they they told you at the time of your reveal that it was amazing you were a manager because you were constantly putting yourself on the other side of the counter counter where you didn't know what that client was or customer was going to say. And, and it's highly unpredictable and you constantly had to be ready with all of those responses. So I'm not saying you can't do it. You can do it. Is it intimidating? You hated it. Did, did, my opinion is it kept you in a constant state of fight or flight because... Or fornicate. <laughs> well, no, you were in that state too. So they're fair. Um, but Sorry, I were- just—I'll never get over how funny that whole <laughs> fight, flight, fornicate, fib, and something else. Freeze. Freeze, right? Right, but it kept you in a constant. St- you could never downregulate from that. So the question isn't, can you do it again? What, from my job. Yeah, because you were in a constant state of fight or flight, having to be prepared for the unpredictable. It's not healthy. You know, you need to be in a more predictable environment. Right. So the question is, can it be very intimidating? Yes, I believe it is. I feel peer pressured into selecting yes for this one. I mean, you can change it to no. I'm, it's not asking no, it's fine. Nope. if you Let's can do it. Nope. It's saying, are you intimidated by it? You don't like it. Every time it would happen, you would. I love it. What are you talking about? <laughs> you can't get enough of it. <laughs> I would get this 14 page text about what happened. Fine. 
Um, I have to act normal to please <laughs> other people and make them. Why are you laughing? Let me finish the thing. Okay. I, I have to act normal to please other people and make them like me. Oh, I thought you were just saying that in response to my. Okay. Um, I never. Okay. I do have to do that. Meeting people is usually easy for me. Not true for me. It is true for me. Good. Doesn't mean I like everyone I meet, but it's meeting them is fine. Yeah. Now, to me, it's like like I went out and uh, I made uh, some friends, mm-hmm. at, if, if you can imagine that. Um, and so yesterday I went and hung out with uh, one of the guys. And the whole time I was like nervous about going to, to meet him for some reason, you know. And it was... It was just, I, I'm like, why it's, I was like, no, normal people don't feel like this when they're just going to go hang out with like a buddy, like anxious Mm-mm. and right. Well, and that's not true. Anxiety is so much more common than I think most of us even recognize. And there is a level of discretion that you should go into every new relationship with where your guard is a little bit up and that you're keeping your spidey senses sharp because you are entering into a new environment you know you need to be testing it out for a couple of whatever exchanges weeks whatever make sure that you feel safe and comfortable like it's not just an instant process I think you're expecting it to be this instant process of like do I feel safe with this person okay great now I'm instantly yeah but why do I need to feel safe with a dude I'm just saying that's it's a normal human interaction between all right well then it's not autistic and we should move on to the next one (laughs) (laughs) okay I get highly confused when someone interrupts me when I'm talking about something I'm very interested in. Yes, maybe. How about you? I think you do. I don't. No, I wasn't. I don't need. I, I need your answers for you, not my, your answers for me. Uh, never. All right. It is difficult for me to understand how other people are feeling when we are talking. Never. Sometimes that's true for me, so I'll say yes. I like having a conversation with several people, for instance, around a dinner table at school or at work. See, I do actually like that mm-hmm, if it's going do. if it's going well. Yeah, it's true for me. Okay. I take things too literally, so I often miss what people are trying to say. Never. I don't feel like I do. I don't think I take things too literally. I don't think you take them too literally. I think if anything... I think I, s- I know that I see things being too literal sometimes, and I know, but I have learned to stop myself. I do think you have strategies in place. I think if anything, it's not that you take things too literally. I think sometimes you don't hear the words that are being said clearly. And so then you maybe, I don't know, misunderstand what people are trying to say all the time. Cause when you'll, you'll come back and (laughs) we did it today. What happened? I said, um, Oh, it doesn't even matter. I, any little thing that I'm trying to do, I'm like, Oh, those are, Pork chops. You can be like, oh, those are blah, blah, blah. Like you'll create a whole nother word. Like we're not connecting. So it's just clear that whatever I'm saying, you're not hearing. I don't think that's what this question was asking, though. I think you're just trying to find a way to make fun of me. (laughs) And I don't appreciate it. Okay. Not it, but I hear you. No, Well, no, but that is nothing. It's not that I'm taking. That's not me. That's me mishearing something. That's not me taking things too literally. No, I know. I said that. I don't think you take things too literally. I said that. That's like the time when we were. I said I think we you were walking around, out you know at the after a movie or something, and some woman walked by, and I thought you said, um, "Nice cans," but you said "nice pants." I like those pants. Right. Basically, I thought I was like I was like I was like cans. Those were like lids. 
And you right. were like, no, dummy. I didn't say cans. I said pants. Right. And it's, th- that's what you're talking that's about. That's what I'm talking about. Is when I mishear stuff like that. Yes. Okay. That is nothing. I don't think that has anything to do with um, me think- taking things literally. I didn't say it did. I, ve- oh, I said, okay. I don't think you take things too literally, but I do think that you do this thing. And then it took me way too long to say mishear. Okay. Fair enough. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult for me to understand when people are embarrassed or jealous. No. Not true for me either. Some ordinary textures that do not bother others feel very offensive when they touch my skin. I guess that's true for me. It's not true for me. All right. I get extremely upset when the way I like to do things is suddenly changed. Fine, yeah. Yes. Uh, I have never wanted or needed what other people call an intimate relationship. That is not true for me. That's not true for me. It is difficult for me to start a st- start and stop a conversation. I need to keep going until I am finished. Yes, you do. Hey, sorry, that's I get just the I statement. get that so wasn't much my trouble statement. if I interrupt you and I didn't realize there was three more books coming. Oh, really? <laughs> Maybe that's true for you then. <laughs> hey, I'm not denying I can talk. Also, okay. So, what's your answer? Never. Never. You never ever feel like that. I can start and finish. stop constantly. All right. Do you know how long it took me in my life to be able to actually finish a full sentence? I still can't always finish my sentences. because No one's stopping you. <laughs> it's just, in my life, there was a new infant every two years. Like, absolutely, people stopped me. Even as I was learning to speak, there was some, in, and I'm not saying some, I love my siblings, but in, in the mind of an inner child, you know, I was constantly being interrupted. So I do struggle sometimes to finish my sentences now. I know. It's like so talking it's, to Christopher walking sometimes. right but starting and stopping a conversation i mean like it would take me two weeks to have a full conversation with someone because there were so many interruptions i had to hold all that in my head constantly is that why when i'm talking maybe this 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 next question is i speak with a normal rhythm i think i speak with a normal rhythm i do think you do yeah and do you think you speak with a normal rhythm yeah i do all right but there are times when you will start a sentence and never finish it? I know. I'm good at that. I was going to let there be a little bit of a pause in there, but you had to f- fill it in for me. <laughs> I did. I'm trying to get to the next question. All right. The same sound, color, or texture can change, suddenly change from very sensitive to very dull. I don't even think I understand what this one means. You don't have quite this um, nerve sensitivity it's talking about. It so is. I'm assuming you don't either. I don't, but I've read a lot about it, so I don't believe this applies to you. But it might, appa- it, might appa- it might apply to some people. It might, yeah, absolutely. I just don't quite understand it because I don't experience it. Right, so. it's just there's different okay. levels of nerve sensitivity when it comes, it's not just sensory processing, like in terms of information, you know, like in your mind and how you think about it, but it's also how your extremities, your fingertips um, respond to things from like temperature to even the amount of moisture in the air outside can go from like, oh, that's nice and cool and refreshing to... Um, wow, that's going right through my skin and into my bones. And so those types of differences in the way the nerves are processing the actual input, you know, of sensory experiences can vary quite significantly. I was watching a video um, on YouTube from someone named Lauren Snow, L-O-R-E-N. He has a video about it. and It's really insightful. Things I'd never understood before about how sensory processing can feel differently uh, and what kind of the different expressions of it were i i only know what i know from declan's and yours experience so i was learning okay 
Um, the phrase "I've got you under my skin" makes me very uncomfortable. No. No. Sometimes the sound of a word or a high-pitched noise can be painful t- to my ears. Okay, yes, that one. For you, That's true for you too? Yes. Okay. Not all, but yes. I am an understanding type of person. Yes. I think I am. I do not connect with characters in movies and cannot feel what they feel. That is not me. That's not true for me either. But movies are my thing, so maybe that's why. Right. I cannot tell when someone is flirting with me. I um, wish I couldn't tell when. That's kind. That's pretty true. I mean, yeah, that's you're true. You're not sitting you. on my face. It's <laughs> not how we met. No, I didn't say you. I mean, no. I think it's. I think it's a fair thing. I cannot tell. Yes, I don't think you can tell when someone's flirting with you. I know. I'm going to answer the way I want to answer, and I'm going to say yes, I not know, because you would try to influence. I'm not agreeing. I'm giving. So you, you can I'm tell. Boosting your confidence. I can, yeah. I don't feel like my confidence. I can tell is when any someone better. wants to flirt with me and doesn't have the guts to. Like, I can feel. I feel I'm empath. I can't speak English, but I'm empathic. A <laughs> I can feel other people's feelings. It it makes me kind of like a human lie detector too, because I can tell a lot of times when they're in conflict with the things that they're saying. I feel people's emotions sometimes before they speak, um, even when they say the opposite of their emotions. But that's me. I mean, I just that's one of my superpowers i don't have the same ones you do but that happens to be one of mine okay i can see in my mind in exact detail things that i'm interested in yeah i can do that so can i i keep lists of things that interest me even when they have no practical use for example sports statistics train schedules calendar dates historical facts and dates i do okay i totally nerd out on that stuff see i sort of had at a certain point, like I, I was doing that, like where I was writing down information from movies. Uh-huh. I don't know if I really do that anymore, though. I don't know. I totally do, I, but it's happened in the last ten years. Yeah, I mean, it's I've not seen an all or nothing kind of answer. I keep lists of things that interest you. Mm. I I still do. Okay. I do. You do. I'm gonna say, but I I don't know if I can say never, because I have. Right. So I guess I have to say that I have. Yep. When I feel overwhelmed by my senses, I have to isolate myself to shut them down. That is true for me. That is not true for me. What do you do to shut them down then To when you feel overwhelmed by your senses? Oh, that's a great question. Well, being that I'm a, a massage and cranial sacral therapist, um, I have had to develop some strategies to kind of manage my moodiness because that session is going to start regardless of how moody I am or not. So I've learned how to shift gears when I need to and come back to my feeling. I'll just put a pin in certain feelings and come back to them when I have time. Um, Sometimes I will just get super moody and then I have to check myself. Um, One strategy that always works is just one piece of chocolate will just flip me into um, rest and digest and out of my head. So I have those little things like that. I mean, learning to ground was a big deal, um, but in, in a lot of the body work that I do it's really sensitive it's subtle so I really have to be grounded so that I can pick up the you know differences and palpation and and things so I don't have an option here I have to sometimes just wait to be moody at home and what a joy it is to be here waiting for it. <laughs> I know I'm sorry sometimes it builds up um, and sometimes I just get kind of like cranky you know I'm like ah you know we all kind of do from time to time so sometimes what's the next one I like to talk things over with my friends. 
Yep, that is true for me. It is true for me. I cannot tell if someone is interested or bored with what I'm saying. I feel like that's true for me sometimes. Okay, it's not true for me. I can always tell when they're bored. <laughs> sometimes it just takes me a minute. That's fair. Um, it can be re- very hard to read someone's face, hand and body movements when they're talking. That's never true for me. No, I feel like I'm good at reading those things. I mean, I was taking sign language, so that's... I think because of that, you so really... I would say before sign language, though, this was a big... No. This was hard for you, yeah. No. Why oh, my, my goodness. Why my voice go up? No. I, because you know I'm about to close the door on this. Oh, crap. Most of the time, regardless of whether my face read, my face, my hands, my body movement could be very clearly telling you, I am so exhausted. Like, I can barely keep my eyes open. And you're like, are you mad at me? Like, oh, my God, I can't even, like, function. I'm so tired. Oh, I thought you were mad at me. Everything is whether or not I'm mad at you, whether I'm sick. Like, I could <laughs> I could be having a head cold and my eyes are I'm red. I'm getting mad at you right now. I know, but I'm saying I have had very clearly uh, different types of facial expressions and hand and body movements and be, you know, fatigued. I can be very sick. You think all of my normal moods are just me being mad, so... Oh, you're mad at me again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just sick. We have that conversation a lot. Or I'm just tired. Or I'm not, you know, I'm not even thinking about you. (laughs) I'm over here thinking about something else. Okay. Uh, The same thing like clothes or temperatures can feel very different to me at different times. Uh, I don't think that's true. That's not true for me. I feel very comfortable with dating or being in social situations with others. Yes, I do. Good for you. I do not. I wouldn't say I feel comfortable. That's feel fair. very comfortable? No. That's I feel, I feel I just talked about I mean that's the thing. I feel awkward. Right. I have to I have to like try so hard to blend in. And then it's like blend in but be yourself. I know that's like I'm, I did, No, I understand. I know it's a real it's a real process to go through for you because again it goes back to the the unpredictable responses. So you've got to put yourself in a frame of mind where you're keeping responses at the ready because you don't know how people are going to react to you. So you've got to, you know, got to have your your guns loaded, basically. Like, it, it's a lot of prep work. I try to be as helpful as I can when other people tell me their personal problems. That's true for me. It's true for me. I have been told that I have an unusual voice. For example, flat, monotone, childish, or high-pitched. No one's ever told me that. No for me. Sometimes a thought or subject gets stuck in my mind and I have to talk about it even if no one is interested. That's not true for me. Okay. I don't know if that's true for me or not. Uh, Okay. What? Zip your lip, you lady. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Fine. Yes, maybe. Maybe it's true sometimes. I do certain things with my hands over and over again, like flapping, twirling sticks or strings, waving things by my eyes. I do things with my hands, yeah. Yeah, you do. I don't. I've never been interested in what most of the people I know consider interesting. I don't think that's true. Because I'm interested in shit that people like. You like, like pop music culture. And yeah. pop culture, movies, um, yeah, it's art. Yeah, it's not true for me. I, yeah. I have never been interested. You've never been interested in what most people? I have never been interested in what... No, I'm always interested in what most people are interested in. All right. So me too. Oh, wait, no. So that would be never then. Never, yeah. I am considered a compassionate type of person. Yes. I think I am. Okay. I keep looking at you to make sure that you're not going to correct me. I think you're compassionate. Okay. 
I get along with other people by following a set of specific rules that help me look normal. I do. I do not. All right. I do notice when the rules change, though, and they happen, the rules change all the time. And um, it's constantly subtly changing, actually, based on one person will walk in the room and it'll change. And then a different person will leave and it'll change. Like, it's constantly changing. The rules? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Are you saying for me? No, I'm just saying in a regular environment, the it says by following a, a set of specific rules that help me look normal. I think the rules are referring to you. You have your own specific rules that help you look normal. But what I'm just saying, generally speaking, analyzing current day social habits and structures, um, it's probably unfair that the rules of any social situation can change multiple times within the same setting. So what I'm saying is there can, there can sometimes be a disconnect between the rules you're using to help you look normal and the rules that exist in the room at the moment because they've shifted so many times. Fair enough. So I'm just pointing it out as something I've been watching a lot happen. It's very confusing for is that, everyone. Is that the next question? It nice is statement. very <laughs> difficult for me to work or function in groups. It's not. That's not hard for me. I don't feel like it's hard for me. I mean, it's easier for me to work by myself. I think, yeah, I mean. I'm a manager for crying out I loud. I know, you've done really well. Okay. When I'm talking to someone, it is hard to change the subject. If the other person does so, I can get very upset or confused. That is not true. I'm always changing the subject. Why are so, you laughing at me? Because this question is worded weird. Like when I'm talking to someone, it's hard to change the subject. No, you can change. Exactly. You're correct. You can change the subject three times in 90 seconds. But um, if the other person changes the topic and you're not done talking about that topic, you will get very upset or confused, regardless of the fact that you can change the subject. So I don't know how to answer that question because. It's bizarrely worded. It's. They they reached too far on this one. They should have just kept. This is really two separate questions. All right. So what's your answer then? Should we just? I'm n- I'm no. I don't have a problem with people. I can change the subject. They can change the subject on me. So then it doesn't matter. So yours is never. Never. Okay. Sometimes I cover my ears to block out painful noises like vacuum cleaners or other people talking. Yes. I do not. I can chat and make small talk with people. Yes. Yeah, I can do that. I don't like it, but I can do it. You can do it, yeah. Sometimes things that should feel painful are not. For instance, when I hurt myself or burn my hand on a stove. See, it's the hand on the stove thing that throws me. I'm like, that would absolutely hurt. I remember being a little kid and my mom had an iron on, like sitting on the ironing board. Yep. And I was like, uh. Oh, yeah. Declan did it last night on the. uh, It's still, I mean, it's one of the reasons I still am like, that looks hot. Yeah, he still doesn't, he doesn't, um, he can't register pain correctly is a high pain tolerance and he's better at detecting hot water than like hot other items and so he put his hand right on the lid of the pan last night it was a glass lid so got it right under some cold water and it was no big deal but he can't always sense the heat three or four inches away from the thing right when talking to someone i have a hard time telling when it is my turn to talk or listen (laughs) shush Um, yes, sometimes I do have a problem. How about you? 
Uh, typically, no. Sometimes I can just, you know, no, I'll just answer that and keep going. I am no. considered a loner by those who know me best. Uh, no. Do you think I'm a loner? I definitely don't think you want to be. I don't think I'm a loner. I think you're just picky at who you have around you, which is fair. I usually speak in a normal tone. I do. I think I do too. Yeah, you do. I like things to be exactly the same day after day and even small changes in my routines upsets me. That's not true for me. I crave change. I want, I don't, so I like, I don't want things to be boring and to be the same thing every day. So that can't be true. This is really just a question about routines. No, I know, but I like, like, I like routines to a degree, but I also want there to be some change. I get, I get bored by too much routine. Fair. Uh, how to make friends and socialize is a mystery to me. No. Um, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, to a degree it is. Right. That's fair. So not to you? No. All right. It calms me to spin around a rock in a chair when I am feeling stressed. No. Um, I don't know if I would say spinning around, but I mean, I guess I do rock sometimes. Right. Sometimes I rock hard. <laughs> Uh, the phrase, he wears his heart on his sleeve does not make sense to me. Makes sense to me. Never. So that makes sense to you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Remember, I can feel all the emotions. All right. That's totally an emotional phrase. So if I'm in a place where there are many smells, textures, uh, to feel noises or bright lights, I feel anxious or frightened. Um, what, what's your answer? No. Okay. Uh, it can be true for me. Yes. Yeah. I think it can be. We've been in many places where it's overstimulating. I can tell when someone says something, says one thing, but means something else. Yes. I can tell. Sneaky devils. <laughs> I like to be by myself as much as I can. I don't know. This question is oddly worded also because it's it's an all or nothing thing, and I don't think that really applies to a broad amount of the spectrum. And I mean, even neurotypical, this it's would apply. It's a no for me. I don't want to be by myself as much as I can. Yeah, not as much as I can, no. But for some people, that may be true. But I don't mind the nights that Declan's with you and I get a night to myself. Like, those are cool. But I'm glad that's not every night. I keep my thoughts stacked in my memory like they were on a filing card. <laughs> what? On filing cards. <laughs> and I pick the, out the ones I need by looking through the stack and finding the right one or another unique way. Should someone that speaks English take this one? <laughs> yeah, you want to try again? No, it's fine. I think we got the idea. I see things visually, but I don't see them f on filing cards. No, me neither. Or stacked or anything like that. The same um, sound sometimes seems very loud or very soft, even though I know it has not changed. No. No. I enjoy spending time eating and talking with my family and friends. Yes. Yes, I enjoy that. I can't tolerate things I dislike, like smells, texture, sounds, or colors. That's true for me. This is becoming more true for me, but oh, as you're getting older, as I'm being more aware of loving myself and, and really respecting what I want in my life, like feeding my inner child in my heart, then yes, I am becoming a little bit more intolerant of, um, don't overfeed your inner child though. He'll be a little fatty <laughs> or she, he, he or she, whatever. She still wears pink dresses. Leave, leave her alone. All right. But for the most part, I mean, I can tolerate these things. I just don't want to. Um, I don't like to be hugged or held. That's that not, not true for me. No, that's, that must suck. I like know. If you feel like, like that's one thing about the, the autism diagnosis where I was, you know, 
it's like because Declan isn't like that. He's not. But, you know, Rustin brought up a really good Sometimes point is that she framed it as um, being part of his sensory seeking behavior, which totally made sense to me. And uh, and I just hadn't heard it framed that way before. But as soon as she said it, it was like, ding, ding, ding. Of course, she's right. He's sensory seeking. So, you know, that deep pressure, he likes to engage, uh, you know, the deep pressure hugs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So he's sensory seeking. Right. No, I, I know. So what's the next one? When I go somewhere, I have to follow a familiar routine or I can get confused and upset. I don't. Yeah, probably. I probably That's probably true for me. I prefer a routine, but I can. It doesn't matter. I think that's one of the reasons I have a hard time going out to do certain things that I want to do. Like right. we went camping that one time. Oh goodness. And we had all the we had the tent and we had all the all the goodies and all yeah. the stuff to set up. And the, I was miserable. Train wreck. Until we were home and then I was like, that was fun. Yeah, I did <laughs> I was ready to smack you. I think one of the things is is that when there's experiences and you're starting a new experience and we did not know there was neurodiversity in our, in our family or in our marriage at this point. So we were completely um, caught unaware. So again, like we were saying at the beginning, the, the, one of the benefits of knowing is that you can start to plan accordingly. Had we known what we know now, we could have said, okay, let's plan a series of three campouts. And the first one's really going to suck because we don't know what we're doing with the tent. We have nothing figured out. We are just going to go there and know that that we are starting are we're starting from scratch to build some routines, and then the trip is what it is. But we set our expectations. The second trip will be better, and the third trip will be great. But it's just going to take time for us to create those, you know, experiences and structure them in a way where we know what we're doing and we can feel comfortable. I I used to tell my family all the time that like we always had to have a dry run with something. We would always dry run whatever it is, and the second time would be better. I like having a wet run. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no. No? Okay. Okay. Is, it, were you, is this your long-winded way of saying that you want to go camping? Uh, no, not not here. No, not in the summer. All right. It's ticks and hot, and no. Okay, fine. I'll go camping by myself. I'll okay. take Declan. No. Me and Declan will go camping. Wait till it's colder. Okay. It is difficult to figure out what other people expect of me. No. Um, I think so. I think I have a difficulty doing that because like it happens at work and stuff. Yeah. And people don't always communicate what they expect. And that's what I think is really difficult. I spend a lot of my time trying to, I spend a lot of my time reading people's energies and, you know, the patterns of their behavior because, um, people really don't do a great job of explaining their expectations up front it re- leaves a lot of room for guessing. So I think it's fair that this would be difficult. I like to have close friends. Yeah, I do too. I know. Well, you, I know I, you do. Your close friends are very important to you. Yeah, but I, I was. You you answer sometimes like these are things I wrote down. I like to have close friends, and you're like <laughs> me too. <laughs> what I'm saying is. Sorry, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. You, you, well, no, it's not. You're jumping ahead. I mean, maybe you are. I don't know. Uh, people tell me I give too much detail. Okay, that happens to me though. But you know, what? I can give too much detail. You? No. Yeah. I probably do give too much detail. Yeah, you, you do. I'm often told that I ask embarrassing questions. No, I, I don't. I don't think I do that. Yes, you do. I ask embarrassing questions. You're very direct. So. Uh, yeah, because because name five embarrassing questions <laughs> I've ever asked you. 
me. I mean, I've been around. Uh, you, yes, the answer to this for you is yes. But um, mainly because you have a broader threshold of what's embarrassing than other people. But you often don't know that when you say it. Like, and I'm like, oh, goodness. Okay. No, I need an example. What the I'm hell? I'm going to have to really think about it and come back to you. I can just tell you because we're, you know, we're already out of time, but... Um, we we have as much time as we need. It's our show. I'm. Uh, I will think I'm, of some examples. Yeah, I, I need answers here. I will. I, I will. I ask embarrassing questions like what? Fine. I tend to point out other people's mistakes. Yes, I do. That. Yes, you do. You do it too. <laughs> I've only learned how to do it to defend myself for you. But I typically don't. People right. make mistakes all the time, and I don't. But it's for a lot. So on some of the other episodes, uh, there have been some. One of the things you said was, and I let it slide the first time, and then you said it again. Was that you said uh, rejection sensitivity euphoria, and then when you said euphoria again, and I said dysphoria. Right, I have the wrong picture of the word in my head. I got it. No, I know, but I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm, I can make. There's me pointing out your mistakes. So I guess my cousin okay. Nicole actually. That's a big yes for me. Yes, no, my cousin Nicole. She's listened. Um, she's an absolute sweetheart and um, someone I love very much. But she's listening to our podcast and she's relating to our podcast mainly you. And um, one of the things that uh, she was very kind to say, she's like, "Oh, he keeps correcting her." <laughs> and so, um, whoops. Then she says, <laughs> "I do that too," <laughs> and I thought it was really honest and sweet of her. Uh, my mother corrects me constantly too. She has my whole life, and she just chalked it up to being an English teacher, but it's not. She. I thought she taught Spanish. She first she was an English teacher, then she taught Spanish. But no bueno. But she has correct. She corrects all of us all the time. Every mistake we make, she corrects. So yes, this is something. I'm ready to get my results. That was 80 questions. That was a lot of stuff. I just know that it on the scale. Do you understand how to read this thing? That's yeah, I do. So again, it, so it's taking the diagnostic criteria for autism and breaking it into the larger categories of language, um, social relatedness, sensory motor skills, and then circumscribed interests. Um, and there are threshold values for suspected ASD. Um, and it, they can actually graduate down also uh, if you want to get into categories like male or female. Um or Hotmail. <laughs> so the threshold stupid. values for suspected ASD, just in general, without drilling down, is 65. I scored a 30. What'd you score? 124. Okay. Um, for language, the threshold value is 4. I scored a 3. I scored a 7. Okay. The threshold value for social relatedness is 31. I scored a 9. I scored a 56. Okay. The threshold value for sensory motor skills is 16. I scored a 6. I got a 36. Okay. And the threshold value for circumscribed interests is 15. I scored a 12. You're almost... You're this, almost autistic. I'm a Sagittarius rising. That so. So is that that means you're autistic? Um, mine was a twenty-five. Okay. So, what are circumscribed interests? You should Google it. I don't want to guess. Oh, limited. Okay. Limited. <laughs> Why didn't they just That's say? That's not fair. I mean, it, it's. So I had um, a friend of mine explain what this experience was, he went to his niece's birthday party 
and um, she is uh, she's neurodiverse, and she, it was a birthday party where every one of her friends were there, and they were all neurodiverse. So it was just it was a really cool. That sounds like a party anyone would want to attend. He actually said that it was one of the best parties he's ever been to and he listened to this group of teenage girls talk and he said wow i felt i'm obviously older than they are shoot me i don't want to hear any, no he said it was the most intellectual <laughs> he said he felt like the event he's like wow they made i felt dumb like listening to them they're just really really intelligent they could their their quality of their conversation was more quality than most he said than most of the adult conversations he's had in the last year because what happens is when you do have that kind of shared interest and you're not worried about reading other people's social cues and trying to fit into this world that's dominated by a social um, influence that that you don't care about, uh, which is probably a blessing, when you can just really talk about your interests and just be who you are. I mean, he said that it was like one of the funnest two-hour experiences he'd had in a very long time. It just, to me, it sounds like people being authentically who they are, whether or not in a fight or flight situation worried about how someone else thinks about them. Like that sounds like an ideal thing for me. If anything, I feel like neurotypicals that have created this world of like, Oh, you have to have all this fluff social stature to fit in here. I think they've ruined, <laughs> that's ruining real connections. So I don't think it's a bad thing at all to have limited. Interests. I was talking about what a horror show it would be to be in a room full of teenage girls, regardless of if they have <laughs> autism or not. Well, maybe for you, but I mean, it just, I, that sounds kind of cool to me to just be able to nerd out on a topic and a room full of teenage boys, to be fair, also sounds terrible. Teenagers are the most terrifying people on the planet. They're horrible. They're horrifying. Well, no, no oh, well, I don't know. I know. I don't think so. Like the normal ones are. They were so mean when I was. Well, I'm, I'm sure they were. But again, you they didn't. They still mean. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a some com, some comedian said there's nothing more terrifying. Like when you're walking down the street than seeing like three 13 year old boys walking by you. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're just going to be so I think it was, you know, they're going to be so honest. Be like, hey, you're bald. <laughs> Very direct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. So. Let's call it uh, the end of the show for this uh, for this week. So tell them where that's to find a, this test, a, though, before you do that. So what was the URL for this test in case someone else wants to take it? Oh, I said it already. Aspietest.org. That's A-S-P-I-E-T-E-S-T-S dot O-R-G. Perfect. And that wraps up this week's show. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And we'll be back. Is that how we normally end it? Normally we end up because the baby cries. No, I know. Should we go wake him up? No. Cue the music. <laughs> <laughs>